Hi everyone, and welcome to Spread Thin, a senior care podcast for the sandwich generation. I am so excited for our show today. So today is our very first podcast and hopefully a series of many to come. And today we are going to talk about assisted livings. So uh, assisted livings have become really popular in the last, I would say, decade or so. It is an in-between, if you're looking for a facility or a community, it's an in-between of an independent living and a nursing home. So when you think of assisted living, I always tell people, just think of living with assistance in a community. And that's a really easy way to put it. So we are going to talk today about all the ins and outs of what happens in assisted living, what you can expect in an assisted living, um, what they can offer, and so on and so forth. So today, actually, our guest is Jill Nowacki. She is an RN and has been in senior healthcare since she graduated nursing school. She started out as a director of nursing of a skilled nursing facility, and then she went over to an assisted living company where she was the director of nursing there and now has become a vice president there and oversees a lot of their, if not all, of their nursing. So I'm really excited to talk to her today. Um, I'm gonna pick her brain about a lot of different things and then we will take your questions. So I'm excited for today's show and I appreciate you listening with us. All right, so we have Jill with us today. Hi, Jill. Hi, Marilee. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks for coming today. I appreciate it. So uh, I wanna talk all things assisted living. You obviously know assisted living, like the back of your hand. How long have you been in assisted living now? I have been in assisted living eight years. Oh wow, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. And before that you were were at a nursing home, right? Yep, skilled nursing. So what is your actual title and what's your role in like day to day? I am the Vice President of Clinical Operations for Danbury Senior Living. Nice, Mm -hmm. okay. What do you do day to day? Um, Honestly, it's just kind of rolling with the punches. I uh, oversee all of the nursing care, a lot of risk management. I go into the buildings, I train the DONs. Um, I also help train a lot of the floor staff if they need assistance. any family escalation problems or any residents that need additional oversight, I can Mm -hmm. help and answer questions for the nurses. So when Jill and I first met, uh, we have worked together, what, for, well, probably six years? years, Yeah. Yeah. So Jill was the DON, a director of nursing um, at a large assisted living, and my home care um, started working with her company. And I don't know, we just like kind of hit it off a little bit. I feel like we both had um, general, like kind of the same goals where they would have patients that would come back from the hospital or need additional care. And so Jill and I started working together and have just become basically friends now. We don't Mm -hmm. work together. I mean, in your role, we still work together a little bit, but not as close as when you were a director of nursing. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, because I was always impressed when you had new admissions coming in. I feel like a lot of times that's a really scary time for families and you always did a really nice job of 
giving them expectations and saying like, this is what assisted living is going to be and this is what you're gonna need when in assisted living. So I wanna start at like the very beginning of a new admission. Do you review new admissions from a clinical side or like do your director of nursings do that? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so an, an, an RN or a nurse, I should say, is always going to review someone's medical history before moving into an assisted living. Correct. Because that's a reg, correct? Yes. I don't know the regs as well, so I'm going to lean on you for regs. <laughs> so that's a reg that they ha- you have to have certain certain things in the chart in order to move into an assisted living. Correct. Yep. Okay. What what are you looking for when you're reviewing them? So we're basically just looking to see if they're appropriate um, for assisted living, meaning are they able to initiate their own care in some form? Um, do they need specialized care, such as like a memory care unit? Um, you know, are they going to be appropriate as far as behavioral and medical um, mm-hmm. and making sure that they don't need a higher level of care, such as a skilled nursing facility or nursing home? So what would, in a in someone's medical history, what would, what would you say, oh wait, this person is too high acuity? Honestly, that has changed over the years. I would say most assisted livings are taking higher and higher acuities every day. So there's really nothing um, nothing off of the top of my head that I would say an absolute no. It's, it's usually a case-by-case basis, mm-hmm. and it's always dependent on the family and the resident, what those expectations are. Um, can they afford additional care, uh, you know, in addition to assisted living? So really, as far as an absolute no it would just be um reg regulatory as far as if they were maybe for example on a ventilator that would probably be something that we could not manage that makes sense okay so we were talking just a couple months ago about a client that we were working on behalf of and you brought up something interesting that didn't even like click with me um but you this person had a lot of behaviors was coming from a behavioral hospital was a little bit younger probably not necessarily nursing home appropriate but had the top two diagnosis were behaviors Mm -hmm. and i was like oh that makes sense like that didn't even click with me that you have to look at the top two diagnosis right so what is what is that and okay (laughs) so in the regs and this is still pretty gray um but in the regs For assisted living, um, it states that we are not allowed to take somebody with too um, serious mental illness. Okay. So, for example, that would be like schizophrenia and bipolar. Um, And that would have to be the reason that we're taking them. Um, There is a fine line in the regs where you can take them, but you have to provide additional training. So, we would have to specialize in serious mental illness and do additional training for our staff. That makes sense. So a lot of times I feel like there's like such a, like you said, a gray line between dementia a lot of times like can be, or like the behaviors are masked by that in a way. So a question that I always ask myself is if this is dementia related, absolutely. We can help them. Our staff is trained with dementia and that is our specialty. What if dementia is like the fourth diagnosis? What do you... What do you recommend? <laughs> well, that, that would definitely be a case-by-case basis. If I interview the resident and, um, you know, they are, uh, they do have some mental health history, but mm-hmm. now their dementia is kind of the, 
overall problem, then again, that's something we could manage. Um, when, you, when you're looking at psychiatric diagnoses, it's you always have to ask yourself, is it managed? So when I'm looking at that, if they have had no recent hospitalizations, they've been on the same medications, and they have mm-hmm. a psychiatrist, psychiatrist following yeah. them, then that is definitely something that we would probably be able to assist with. Okay, good to know. Yeah. What are the top two or so typical problems, things you're seeing of why people are moving into an assisted living? Um, Usually definitely some dementia, whether it's diagnosed or not, and on a history and physical, I think that the family's definitely seen some issues there, whether it's being able to take care of themselves, uh, remembering medications, Mm -hmm. they're definitely seeing something. So whether it's actually diagnosed on the history and physical, I would say memory and dementia and Alzheimer's um, related problems are definitely the top top one. Other than that, I would say mobility problems. So if they've had um, a stroke or just, you know, now they're walking with a walker and a mm-hmm. wheelchair, um, that is definitely a, the other biggest reason for moving into assisted living. So I either see one or the other. It's either a mobility problem mm-hmm. or a brain problem. Okay. So does somebody have to, that reminded me, does somebody have to have... Is it 30 days they have to see a physician for their H&P, their history and physical? Is that what you guys need? Um, no, it's actually 60 days. Oh, okay. Um, in, in some buildings and some companies will set their own policies for that. So they may say we would want it to be within 30 days. Got but it. they have, um, it's actually 60, it might even be 90. I'm sorry, I don't know. I, I might a, even it has 90. to be, a, we'll just say in general, it in has general. to be a recent... It can't right. be like five years old. You Absolutely. have to see a physician. You have to be under the care of a physician. Updated information for then you to end up looking at. Yes. Or it could be somebody who's just at the hospital. I feel like that happens a lot, right? It does happen a lot. The problem with that is they might not know their entire history. So as far as filling out the form that we need filled out, there might not be um, history with the hospital. They might just be seeing them for the most recent problem. So it's really it. hard. Like to went get. to the hospital UTI yeah. and they're just treating for the UTI. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So what, you talked a little bit about the typical problems. Is that why people are typically moving into an assisted living? Or do you you ever see people that are just like, don't really have any health issues, but are just like, I want to move into an assisted living so I'm like safer. Yeah, we absolutely um, do see that. It's rare. And honestly, that is best case scenario. We love when when the person that needs the care is the one seeking it out because they're being proactive mm-hmm. as opposed to reactive. So I love seeing people come in and they're just, you know, hey, it's time. I've recognized that I'm, you know, slowing down and I want to make yeah. this choice. Um, again, being reactive and or proactive instead of reactive yeah. and not in an emergency situation where you fall in and ended up in the hospital or, you know, you're uh, You're kids. like making that healthcare yeah. decision rather than, than your healthcare. Children. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so why do you, so, well, assisted living has gotten really popular. Don't you think like in the last, I mean, it's crazy. They're popping up everywhere, everywhere, but obviously because there's a need, I mean, people wouldn't pop up these assisted livings if people are moving into them. Right. So there's obviously a need. So why do you think assisted living has become so beneficial for people? It's beneficial, but I do want to touch on something as well. I think what we have seen is that with this generation of people needing care, mm-hmm. they have saved for the retirement because I think that's true. That unfortunately, nursing homes have a really bad reputation, and I think that people are 
um, aware of that and have saved money so they don't end up in a nursing home, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, yeah. we've both been in nursing homes, so I'm, I'm not bashing on them. Yeah, but... I mean, there's definitely a place for <laughs> nursing homes, but people, it's, it's, they've, they've kind of transformed transform themselves into rehabs as well. Absolutely. And so people are people think of nursing homes now as short-term rehab. I'm going to go there, I'm going to get intense therapy, and I'm right. going to leave. I don't think as many people think of nursing homes as I'm going to live there. It's like therapy, leave, nursing, leave, mm-hmm. isolated event. Whereas like the assisted living has now kind of become the old school nursing home where it's like, I'm going to go there and live. But now these assisted livings are like, glamorous and right. fancy. Yeah, and I mean, and to your point, yeah, people do go for rehab, but if they don't have money, unfortunately, if they haven't saved for, you know, their retirement and they can't private pay, most yeah. of these assisted livings are private pay. And so if, if they're if they're not a Medicaid assisted living, which is very rare, then they, they should have saved for um, an assisted living facility, which I think most um, people have now. And so we are seeing yeah. seeing more and more um, assisted livings pop up because there's more and more people that have saved and want to pay for these glamorous assisted yeah. livings. Yeah, the ice cream parlor, the movie yeah. theater, right. all the fun stuff. Bowling alleys. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I know you can't speak to, like, obviously every assisted living, but what's, like, a range? We, we just touched on price. What's a range for an assisted oh, living? Oh, boy. It's all over the place right now, and there's tons of specials going on just because everyone's trying to compete. Yeah. So I would say, and, and again, be aware that most of these specials have a time frame on them in your contract. So you just want to be, if, if it sounds too good to be true, more than likely it is. Yeah. Um, and I, hopefully there's, there is a segment coming up about pricing because I can get into that because all assisted livings um, charge differently. But I would say ballpark, you are looking probably at $4,000 to $12,000 a month. Wow, $12,000? Absolutely. And would that be from like memory care? No, not even memory For care. I, I'm thinking of a larger floor plan. You know, most of these oh. places have like a two bedroom, two bath. Okay. You could get a den. Um, and then probably with your highest level of care and service, um, you could probably get, get up to 12. So like you're at like their nicest room. It's like their sweet, sweet, right. sweet. The penthouse, penthouse, if you will. And then, Which we are going to have. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course there's penthouses in assisted livings now. So you were, you're saying like that's a penthouse with like your highest level of care where like you, uh, I mean, I guess if that company is doing levels. Yes, Because absolutely. some people just do room and board and it's all inclusive. Do we want to talk about prices now? Uh, that's that's like a whole nother ball of wax. Okay. Maybe. If we have time. All we'll right. get into that. Because <laughs> that is like a whole nother thing because it's really confusing because some people are like it's inclusive. Some people are like it's levels. And a la carte. This is, that's, oh. a la carte's the tricky one. You got to be aware of that. Yeah. What, just, no, now I'm curious. What's like one a la carte item? Just name one. A la carte would be if you need wheeled down to the dining room for uh, your meals, we're going to charge you living? $5 a day. Assisted living does that? Oh, absolutely. Wow. We do not. That's we interesting. Do levels, but. Huh. And then all inclusive. Most of your specialized units, like a memory care, yeah. are usually all inclusive. Um, and again, you do have to just know it's just like anything else. It does go up over, um, you know. As yeah. the years progress, but um, okay. So uh, although I do want to talk about that pricing, I want to talk a lot about nursing because you are an RN and you know nursing really well in senior healthcare. So when somebody is, we're still on like the looking for an assisted living. Okay. So when someone's looking for an assisted living, what kind of nursing questions 
should a family or an advocate or someone that's helping or even the client, what should they ask about nursing? What is important to know in an assisted living? Um, I definitely think, you know, knowing what the assisted living's expectations are for the resident moving in. Um, some expect that they push their pendant for every every need. Some mm-hmm. will anticipate their needs. For example, if shower, if they need shower assistance, then mm-hmm. some assisted livings will say, when would you prefer your showers? And if they say, I'm a, you know, early morning at 6 a.m., and I do that three times a week. So we could schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday and sit down with the resident and ask if that would be. So that's something that they should ask upon and you know, yeah, move in. Absolutely. What, what's your showers? Like what's your shower schedule? No, or not like, necessarily how do you that. Do your schedules? But I think the main question to ask is what is the expectation for the client? Do they have to push their pendant for everything? If you know your mom is one of those people that will never ask for help, mm-hmm. so she's going to be in her room struggling, mm-hmm. but this assisted living says, well, if she doesn't push, then we're not going to come in. I think that's definitely... Got it. So um, make sure like... It lines up. Yeah. Your match criteria is lining up basically. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What else? That's a good um, one. I definitely think care, you know, obviously if your parent has special needs, so mm-hmm. if they are a diabetic, do they need a special diet? Do they have memory care problems? And again, your expectations as far as is, how much is mom going to get up and move? Um, is she going to go to activities? Uh, what are the other residents like? Is mom going to be able to socialize with them? Mm-hmm. And I honestly, you know, when you walk into a building, you know, you get, you get, yeah, a you get a feeling you're gonna when know. it's a good fit or not. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. There's a, I mean, there's so many times I walk in and I'm like, oh, I could live here. Like I even feel that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, my parents are so different. My in-laws are, are different. Yeah. All of, all of my parents are very, very, very different. So, you know, my dad would prefer to sit in his room and watch TV. He's not mm-hmm. going to be out playing bridge and going to the fancy meals. Yeah. He would prefer to sit in his room. So a building that has a very, very high social activity calendar, that's really not something I'm looking for for my dad. Yeah. But for my in-laws, they're social. They like bridge. They like uh-huh. fancy meals. They like to go out and about. So I would be looking for where are they taking activities? Do they yeah. have bridge? Do they have um, you know, gourmet dining? That no. would be something I would be looking for. I'm so glad you mentioned that because activities... I feel like sometimes get overlooked and they are so important within a building because it's, I mean, well, I guess it's so important in a building if they're social, like you said. Hey, and and I must chime in. I'm not looking for my in-laws. They're listening (laughs) to this. (laughs) Good disclaimer. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's funny. It brings me to my, the the next thing I wanted to talk about was like old or new AL. And you already kind of touched on that because there's a little bit of like, you know, there's these new ALs that are so glamorous and so beautiful, but then sometimes their nursing is lacking or their activities is lacking, or you have a not so pretty building that has great nursing and assisted living. So like, how do you, I guess, how do you find the how do you find that out? Again, I, I think making a list of, uh, and starting out with just like looking for a home. I have realtor friends and when you're looking for a home, you have your must-haves. What is the most important? So mm-hmm. if nursing care is the most important, you need to go into that building and not look at aesthetics and not look at the the dinner menu. You need to go in and ask, what level of care are you able to provide? And yeah. especially if this is some place that you never want to have to move your parent, you want to make sure that they can provide anything and everything. If if they have dementia and there, or you think that there might be a memory problem and eventually they're going to need a memory care, 
you know, how long has the staff been there? How long has management been there? Yeah, is it okay um, to ask about staff ratios at, and all that? You know, staff ratios are a hit or miss. I, I think that's really important in a skilled nursing facility or a nursing home. I mean, staff ratios are important, but it's really all about your staff. I mean, to be honest, as a director of nursing, I could have four of my best staff take care of a hundred residents. Yeah, they could just like run they circles. Would run circles around sixteen. Sixteen yeah. newbies. Uh-huh. Know, um, that really just it's it's all it's a ratio really, yeah. honestly, and I'm not just saying that. It, it, yeah, no, I think that's a good point yeah. because staffing ratios are like I don't want to say a buzzword, but For you know, sure. everybody's going through staffing issues Absolutely. today. Healthcare, I feel like, is a little bit used to that because we've always had staffing mm-hmm. issues, but staffing ratios tend to be like a little bit of a buzzword. So I think that's a good point that you make that you could have five, you know, yeah. that don't do anything and you have two that run absolute circles. Right. So that's a so really good point. So I do think that sometimes families come in and they're looking for themselves as opposed to their parents. You know, they yeah. look at the beauty and they look at the dinner menu. And again, like with my dad, he's just going to be sitting in his room watching TV. I would mm-hmm. much rather have somebody checking up on him that loves him cares about him as a person and is communicating yeah. well with me as a daughter. I, I don't really care about the aesthetics, but um, I guess go in with what your must-haves are because mm-hmm. they're so different. It's just like looking for a, a home. I mean, yeah. it is their home. So. That's probably why there's so many assisted livings popping up because there's literally something for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about once somebody is in an assisted living, then what to expect. Awesome. We'll be right back. Do you know someone that's needing more help? Options Home Services could be your answer. They are a one-on-one private duty home care. They can help seniors live as independent as possible by helping them from anywhere from one hour in a day to 24 hours in a day. All their caregivers and nurses are drug tested and background checked. Hard to believe, but not all home cares do that. So always ask when interviewing a home care. Their team can provide care during the day or night and help you feel at peace when mom or dad would otherwise be alone. They will help you with personal care, companionship, light housekeeping, anything that has to go with activities of daily living or personal care. Their team is trained to take care of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and then general aging. They can help at home, in an assisted living, a rehab facility, or hospital. Call today for a free consultation to set up services. It's never too early to start that conversation and relationship. It is a private pay service. However, most long-term care insurance policies will cover. Call 614-947-8888 to get more information in their service area. All right, we are back with Jill. So now we're going to talk about... Uh, we talked about getting into an assisted living, moving in. Now we're going to talk a little bit about you're in an assisted living and what do you do from here? So on my end, from the home care standpoint, I feel like I get a lot of um, mom or dad went to the hospital and we, ne- we need extra care going back to the assisted living. That's where a lot of times I come in. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's living in an assisted living, what would be the top reasons that they are sent to the hospital? I would assume they're like UTIs and fall risk maybe, but I don't know if that's fair. What, what yeah, do you think people I mean, go to the hospital for? I think it's it's dependent on the assisted living where you're in. Again, they're going to have their own policies for why they send people to the hospital. Um, and so again, it's going to be specific on, on whatever assisted living you're in and 
the client and themselves because um, some people wish not to go to the hospital and mm-hmm. so we have to grant that wish and some people want everything to be done. So I would say when we're no longer able to manage their care in-house, so whether we're waiting on labs to come back, they're not back quick enough, they need medications quickly that we weren't able to get. Um, Got it. Or if there's something acute going on, again, like a fall with pain and we're suspecting maybe a fracture or things, um, you know, we can get x-rays and labs and all of that stuff in-house. It's just how urgently does does it need to be back. Okay. That makes sense. I I guess, yeah, I kind of forgot that you can have labs, like x-rays and stuff in an assisted living. Yeah, absolutely. We do x-rays, labs, medication management. We, you know, from the pharmacy end, um, get all of the medications the, the family should ha- have to worry about anything, dropping medications off or anything. We manage all of that. Yeah. I kind of forget about some of those some of those extra things that you guys offer. Especially yeah. if somebody's like on a blood thinner, Coumadin, and the INRs need done a lot. Yeah. That's very helpful. Oh, um, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Um, you can also have, I guess while we're on this, um, you have a dentist that comes? Yeah. Um, podiatry, podiatry. Dentist. I mean, yeah. it's Hair. I mean, like literally oh. somebody does not need to leave an assisted living. No. Unless it's like a very acute issue. Right. And, I mean, of course, they can leave. The doors are open. Well, COVID's right. been a little bit more strict with that. Yeah. But yeah, we have a beautician. Um, we have yeah, a podiatrist. Like we everything have that they would need. A visiting physician, nurse practitioners, neurobehavioralist. Do you see um, behaviors a lot? Do people have to go out to the hospital for behaviors? Again, if it's if it's not able to be managed. And I again, this is building specific and... Um, it really just depends on on what services they have, but mm-hmm. a lot of our buildings um, have somebody on call that manages behaviors. One of our buildings have has a neural behavioral behavioralist oh, wow. that specializes in geriatrics. So of course we can call him. Yeah. Um, for any you know. Anything so that's actually I'm glad you mentioned that because that would be something that if you know mom or dad or whoever you're looking for is having those you know symptoms or whatever you would call it. That's something that they'd want to ask upon admission. Like, do you guys have a relationship with a neurologist? Yeah, because that's absolutely. not totally normal, right? With assisted livings? Uh, no, no, it's not. Um, most of them, again, at least like a nurse practitioner, they can help manage. Yeah. Um, behaviors, or um, some of them have specialties in psychiatry. So, just somebody uh-huh. that can help manage those. I think that's definitely a very valid question, and yeah. really just getting to the true root of what's what's causing that behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to just, you know, masking it with a medication, which, right. you know, I could get on a tangent. Yeah, we're not even going to go. <laughs> we're not going there today. That is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> right. um, so why would somebody, while we're on this topic, why would somebody have to move out of an assisted living? Probably along the same lines of what you're talking about, going to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's really rare. Um, as long as as long as a family is willing to work with the assisted living mm-hmm that's that's usually rare um because again we can always get additional services in to help you know uh to help the assisted living and to help the resident kind of be that bridge which i know we're going to talk about so yeah i would say it's 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 rare again um really i would say if the assisted living services are not aligning with what the family needs and they feel like their loved one needs more and we are doing everything that we possibly can and there isn't another company um, that can help bridge that gap, that would be the number one reason. I feel like you are thinking of a specific example. <laughs> I can see your wheels I mean, turning. it happens. It definitely happens. So, like, happens. tell me an example. An example like, would be, let's say that somebody is um, actively, actively dying, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it happens and 
um, the family is not ready for mom or dad to pass away or get mm -hmm. hospice involved. But we are at our max capacity with the care that we can get. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe finances are an issue and they can't privately pay for additional care to come in. Mm -hmm. And they don't qualify for home health under their Medicare benefit. Um, then our hands are kind of tied because yeah. we're doing everything that we can and we're not meeting those expectations. And there are no additional services that can come in based off of what the family wants. Then I would yeah. say... We definitely work together to try to find another placement. Mm -hmm. Again, very rare, but yeah, it that I mean, I asked the question because I wanted to know. But like in my head, as you were talking, I'm like, there's just not that many situations that I've been involved in where an assisted no. living is like you have to move out. No, no, just not. It happens, but not really. Yeah, not often. No, I huh. would say the only other circumstance I can think of is let's say in a um, memory care unit where somebody's having behaviors that are not able to be managed and they are harming another resident. Oh yeah. Um, or I guess if you are in assisted living and somebody needs a memory care and you don't have a memory care. Absolutely. I guess that I I have seen that often where they're like mom or dad's progressing and they would do better in memory care we don't have one. Right. And you know what I've yeah. been seeing sometimes too is let's say that mom or dad needs a memory care because they're falling and they don't know how to push their colleague for assistance mm -hmm. or um, you know they just need that environment and the family just isn't quite there yet. Yeah. Then I have seen where we, we have to go our separate ways because you know, our ultimate goal is to do what's best for that resident. And yeah. again, we, as, as nurses, um, with our license, you know, we have to make that decision for what's best and safest. Yeah. And so sometimes the family just, well, being a good yet. advocate too, for the client, like yeah. you obviously you want what's best for the resident. Um, I want to ask you about memory care. Cause you just mentioned that. What is the biggest difference between a regular, like a, an assisted living and then a memory care assisted living. Mm -hmm. What can a memory care assisted living do that a assisted living cannot? Right, and so again, most of the assisted livings are gonna have an attached memory care secured unit. So again, this is gonna be dependent on the company, dependent on the mm -hmm. assisted living, but the biggest things that I ask myself as a nurse is can they benefit from that memory care um, environment? environment? Yeah. yeah, I mean. Why, because it's, different activities, different staffing, like so, yeah, what's number, different? Number one would be obviously the socialization and activities. The activities are more hands-on, so they mm -hmm. don't have to just, again, go down, see the activities calendar and go down and say, yes, I would like to participate in um, bridge or poker or you yeah. know, bingo. Um, they're going to be more hands-on activities that, um, that uh, uh, activities coordinator is going to participate. Like geared towards yes. where they are in their... Absolutely their levels basically yeah. so that's that's obviously um going to be something that i'm asking myself can they benefit from that environment mm -hmm. and the safety aspect i mean i keep touching on this can they push that pendant for assistance if, if yeah. mom or dad and i always ask family members that if mom or dad were to fall on the floor and be mm -hmm. laying there yeah could they push their pendant and ask for assistance and say that i have fallen if the answer is no well nobody wants them to be laying there. Right. I mean, I, I would like to say that assisted livings, we do security checks and, and things, but you know, th that's their home and a lot of people really don't need that. So if they need mm -hmm. that, they really need to be in a memory care. Um, and then lastly, 
as far as security goes, can they walk out the front door and head down Players Parkway? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is like a thing, you know, memory care sometimes are called secured units. Right. And that is a term that's interchangeable. But because of that, because a lot of times they're an elopement risk. And so memory cares tend to be, you know, secured, locked mm-hmm. down whatever you want to call it, you know, it, most assisted units. livings are not secured. I mean, the front doors to the actual assisted living, they do lock at a certain time for visitors not to yeah, come like for in. security reasons. For security reasons, yeah. but that does not mean that any resident could not get up at midnight, walk out the front doors, and start heading down Polaris Parkway. And, you know, sometimes when I ask families that, do you think mom would ever do that? And I kind of see the look on their face. I'm like, okay, I want to sleep at night. You want to sleep at night. Right. Like, how can we make sure mom's safe? (laughs) Let's go ahead and and err on the side of maybe a memory care um, secured unit and see how she does. um, What if it's just a, like, acute issue? I'm going to go back to UTI because I feel like that Mm -hmm. happens so often from, you know, just general dehydration. And it can rear its ugly head in, like, crazy ways. So what if it's just an acute situation and they don't actually need to move into a memory care? Like what if mom's typically fine, but she just wanders off? You know you want the answer to this. (laughs) Well, (laughs) this is why we work well together, but this doesn't always have to be the answer. (laughs) You know, I would say calling the family and again, just meeting with them and saying, hey, something's going on with mom. This isn't her normal. Sometimes the family will say, you know what? I'm just going to take mom home for the weekend and see how she does. I want her to come stay with me. That's great. If that's not a possibility, then again, we're looking at additional services. So, um we don't want to rock mom's whole world and go put her in a memory care in a different room for the weekend. That's just going to confuse her more. Right. So that is where we're going to look at additional services for a private duty, you know, quote unquote sitter um, or somebody Mm -hmm. that can come sit with them and make sure that they're safe, whether that's inside their apartment, outside of their room, um, just to make sure that, you know, yeah, they're not leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, obviously a disclaimer and listeners know that I own a home (laughs) care and that is how we met. So we worked together. And so often, you know, I think that's why our relationship worked because Jill knew that she could just call on a Friday at 5 p.m. and I'd see Jill's number and I was so excited. Um, But no, honestly, it was, you know, she would call and she'd be like, I have a resident that, you know, I just need help getting through the week and I want to keep them safe. Can you have a caregiver come and stay with them until, you know, Monday morning or something when we can get the physician in here or, you know, whatever it is. A lot of times it was keeping them safe. It wasn't always a ton of care. It was you wanted to keep your residents safe, comfortable, happy, you know, wherever they were, rather than, like you said, rocking their world. Yeah. But um, we, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, and so we're good segue, are services within an assisted living. Because although an assisted living can encompass a lot, and, you know, like you talked about before, there's so many services that come in, there are also, and we're going to do one on levels of care, because this gets really complicated, but there are other services within senior healthcare that can come in and provide additional assistance. Absolutely. So off the top of my head, I obviously, I think of a private duty home care, but then there's also hospice. There's a skilled home care. Those are my always top three go-to. Am I missing any? No, I mean, yeah. And absolutely, the goal is for this person to age in place. So we want to provide anything we possibly can. So additional private duty home care, um, being, being one, yeah. um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and skilled nursing. And so just to clarify yeah. uh, for our listeners, because a lot of people are probably new to this. So when somebody is living in an assisted living, they can still receive other services that are paid for by their insurance. 
Correct. Although they're privately paying for an assisted living, they can still receive skilled home care or hospice. Can't have both of those together. Correct. Okay. So in hospice, we're going to do another show on hospice because there's so many things that go into that, but a lot of people think hospice is somewhere where you go. So they can receive hospice services in your assisted living. Yes, absolutely. Talk to me about what that looks like. Okay. So again, mom's um, starting to decline and, um, you know, doesn't want to go to the hospital anymore. And again, I know you're going to do a new whole segment yeah. on, on hospice, so I won't get too yeah, crazy a, into that. It's a big but, one. Uh, yes, it is. But it is absolutely great to have those benefits and those services in an assisted living because, again, it allows them to stay in their homes um, being assisted living. So yeah. they come in, they can provide additional oversight with an RN case manager. Um, they will usually have a staff member, an aide come in and help with shower assistance. Um, and again, you're going to talk on hospice, but we're talking yeah. chaplains, social workers. It's, I mean, I mean it's, it's wild it's, the amount yeah. of things that they can help with. But it definitely, I'm again, such a believer in hospice. Helps bridge those that gap between, hmm, you know, mom's not quite appropriate for assisted living, but doesn't yeah. need a nursing home. She wants to stay here. What can we do? And when we're talking about the benefits, I mean, again, yeah. um, definitely listen to that podcast because it's just Yeah, there's so amazing. many that people don't even realize. Absolutely. So if, let's say, not ready for hospice, not going to qualify, mm-hmm. skilled home care would be the other way that they can receive do they re- they wouldn't receive nursing care, right? Yes, they can. Oh, so okay. So they could receive nursing and therapy. Yes. And to go back to a previous question that you asked me, what would disqualify somebody from not being able to stay in assisted living yeah. or not being able to move into an assisted living? This is one that's pretty, pretty black and white and not even gray in, in the regulations. One of the regulations states, and I won't get too nursing on you guys, but yeah. it states that they are not able to have a pressure ulcer that is staged a three or a four. This is a Pressure ulcer as in, oh, like a wound. A wound, like a bed sore. Okay. Okay, they okay. cannot have that. And the stages go from one to four, and one and two are very, very mild, but if it is staged at a three or a Who four. Who stages it? The physician. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, or the nurse practitioner. So if they're at a three and four, we cannot take them or we could not keep them if, God forbid, it developed in an assisted living. We could not. Now, well, here's the okay. gray area. If they're on hospice services, uh-huh. then they are allowed to still reside or come into the assisted living. Oh, I living. did not know that. So that's a big one. Got it. Yeah. So if the wound, let's say, is not pressure-related, it's uh-huh. not a bed sore, let's say... Um, you know, mom fell and got a wound. Had a surgery, surgery or something. something incision. They need what we would call skilled services. Yeah. Um, meaning something bigger than just like a Band-Aid. Uh, then we would get them on nursing services through their Medicare um, through a home health agency. Got it. Okay. Um, and that would usually counterpart with some physical therapy, mm-hmm. occupational therapy, which we see a lot. And most of our buildings have an in-house or preferred or yeah, somebody that they work with. Typically, you have a relationship very with someone. Yeah. yeah. So just to recap, in an assisted living, you can receive, you know, obviously the dental, podiatry, all of that stuff. But you can receive hospice if you need more care and you know, you're towards end of life or we'll talk palliative care yes. as well because there's that too, um, or skilled home care or then private duty home care, which then can come in no matter what service you're on because it's a private pay like an assisted living. 
and can provide you know really anywhere from one to 24 hours of service yes nights fall risk you know whatever it might be interesting okay that's a lot it is. <laughs> i know well that, that's why we're going to do on on levels of care on like independent assisted living nursing home and then hospice home care private duty because there's just so many combos that you right. can do. Yeah, and it's which is really, great. you really want somebody overseeing that and you really want a good director of nursing in the building. So I think, again, back to when you do your tour, ask to meet the director of nursing, who oversees that yeah. care, get that relationship with them and make sure that it, you know you have a good relationship and open communication because they're really gonna help you direct all of that. And I think that also helps as far as like staying involved, family involvement down the road, to be able to have those open conversations like absolutely you're not against anyone like you're there to help as well and so is the family and so i feel like you know starting off on a good foot meeting that don and the staff at the beginning only helps to talk about common goals yes of like this is what we want for mom or dad or this is what dad has said he wants when he gets to this stage and so absolutely. like then you can kind of work hand in hand and i think that's when it you know obviously works out best yeah everyone's on the same team and yeah. you know everyone wants be what's best and just making sure that that trust is there you know sometimes we see people come in that have come from another facility or maybe just don't have that trust mm -hmm. with the healthcare system yeah. and that's really hard to overcome so just yeah. making sure that that you know that you ultimately trust them you trust mm -hmm. the staff you trust that don or the executive director yeah because you're going to lean on them for a lot of this advice absolutely you know because you're not gonna know like oh mom needs home care <laughs> <You know? laughs> right like I mean maybe some will but like it's typically a healthcare professional saying like hey you might want to look into this right right all right we're gonna take another quick break and then we're gonna come back with a couple questions that we have senior transition expert specializes in helping families and clients find a good community looking for a community can be really cumbersome and overwhelming they will help you from start to finish They'll help you find a good community, set up tours, and then really hold your hand throughout the entire process. They can help with assisted livings, independent livings, memory care, and even help you find a private duty home care. In addition, Senior Transition Experts offers a care management component to help you navigate the senior care industry. This would include helping with organizing doctor's appointments, finding transportation to and from, possibly helping you when you discharge from the hospital, finding good providers, medication setup, and really everything else under that umbrella. Call today to get more information, 614-947-3611. All right, so we are back and we have three different questions. Obviously, since this was our first podcast, people haven't called in, but we have um, you know, lots of friends and family that are interested in this. And so I asked for people to send in questions via email and I have three questions. So let me start here. You ready? Yeah. All right, so this one's from Donna. So she says, my mom lives out of state. She needs to move into an assisted living. Would you recommend she stay near her home or should I move her to be closer to me? She has some friends there, but no family. That's a tough one. And I know you <laughs> want to This happens a lot. It does. It does. And I, I, I know what people normally choose. They normally choose mom to stay where she's at. Why do you think that is? Just to, to make mom happy because mom's going to say, I don't want to move. All my friends are here. Yeah. I already know. You know, I see this so much, but I actually see it when 
mom's gotten very, uh, you know, mom's progressed and now I can't do this from afar. I'm in another yeah. state. This is too hard. And now I need to move mom, which really is not the best thing to do. So I would yeah. say making that tough decision right off the bat, knowing that mom is going to get older, she is going to need more assistance. Yeah. You want to be an advocate. You want to be there for her. Make that tough decision off the bat. It's hard. <laughs> so you, you think in your opinion, this is, you know, just yes. your opinion that you should perhaps move. If, you, if you're going to be an involved family member, better to have her close. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And even if you think mom's very independent now and she doesn't really need much, I, I think making that difficult I think decision. we might have to have another podcast on how to talk about that. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. really tough talk. <laughs> it is, it is. But I think it's definitely well worth it in the long run and not having yeah. to make that, again, that reactive decision in a difficult circumstance under a lot of stress and pressure. Yeah. I mean, looking long term, that makes sense, you know, listening to what you're saying. Okay. Next question is from Lee. She says, I have a friend. She was my neighbor. She lives in an assisted living and absolutely loves it. Every time I visit her, she seems so happy, but her health is declining. They have talked about moving her into a nursing home. Why can't she stay there? She seems so happy. Again, it could be one. a number of reasons. Yeah. Number yeah. of reasons, and I, it's hard to not, you know, to answer this without not knowing exactly what's going on. But I yeah. think that definitely looking at those ancillary services, as we've talked about, what is the assisted living willing to do? Mm-hmm. Are they willing to keep her if, let's say, example, she just needs assistance with morning routine because that's yeah. taking up too much time? Again, that's something that we can get you know, the private duty home health services involved, or again, it, does she qualify for hospice? So I think having those yeah. conversations to see, does she qualify for any ancillary services or is there any um, financial reason that she couldn't pay to have, um, to bridge that gap? Yeah. All right. Next question from Karen. Um, I moved in with my mom three years ago to help her so she could continue to live at home. I, I, I hear this a lot of my end oh, yes. from the <laughs> private duty home care side. At first, it was great, but she's worse and, and is a lot of care now. I need a break. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> uh, poor, yeah, Karen, that's a big job. That really is. Um, I love her daily, but I need to take a week for myself. So I have a question. What is a respite stay? I've heard about it, but not sure what it entails. Oh, I'm glad she mentioned this because we haven't talked respite at all. Absolutely. So what's a respite stay? I'll let you take the lead. Sure. Yeah, respite stays, it's wonderful. Um, I love respite stays. They typically um, typically happen in this exact scenario, and it's just a short-term stay to give somebody a break. Let's say family's going on vacation or Karen needs a break because mm-hmm. it's just too much to be that caregiver. Um, they can come in. They stay for a set amount of time. It's usually a different rate, and, you know, nine times out of 10, mm-hmm. <laughs> they end up loving it. Yeah. And, you know, the family sees how well they're doing there and they start, um, you know, really kind of perking up a little bit because they have that socialization and, mm-hmm. you know, geared activities. So I would say nine times out of 10, it ends, either it ends up going longer, they end up coming back, mm-hmm. or they stay. I feel like um, that first question from Donna, now that we're talking respite, Donna should probably have her mom come do a respite. Absolutely here you know if she's going to move her not here but wherever she's going to move her close to her respite stays like a good way to like dip your toe in the pond Absolutely. a little bit especially if you have a parent that says you know i don't want to go to assisted living that's not for me i really don't want to do yeah. it or if, let's say they are in a hospital and mom doesn't want to move yet you could just say we're uh-huh. going to go in for a respite you're just going to be there for you know a week a month and 
again, nine times out of 10, they really end up loving it. So when you do a respite, you don't move any of your furniture because assisted livings, you always move your own furniture in. Not always. Typically, right? Some are furnished, some I guess aren't. memory care is typically, yeah. Well, some no, are, some are too. really, uh, most, we recommend that you bring your own furniture when you're going to live there because we want yeah. it to feel like But respite home. stays, they provide you with the furniture. Yes, usually, yeah. So you literally are bringing clothes and... Toiletries. Just, yeah. Okay. And then from a nursing standpoint, what does somebody need? Like, let's say Karen's like, okay, great. Respite stay. Yes, please sign me up. I'm going to Florida or wherever, you know, her happy places. And she's like, so what do I do now? So they still need the history and physical from the physician. Um, and so if they've seen their physician, you know, they can they can write that, fax it over to us. We do okay. need a medication list just to know what medications they're on. Oh, would they have to bring their meds And then too? meds. Yeah, I would okay. recommend meds. You don't want us ordering a seven-day supply of medications. Yeah. No, okay. we can, but they have their meds. Um, it, we didn't discuss this as well, you know, levels of care and things, and we're running yeah. out of time. But we do need to do a medication assessment before somebody moves in to see if they're capable to do their own meds. If they are not, again, mm -hmm. we're asking questions. Do you know what you take? Do you know why you take them? Yeah. How much do you take? If they can answer that, great. They can manage their own medications. If they can't, then that's where nursing services are going to help manage those medications for yeah. them. Um, and uh, so we would still need to do that on the respite. But yeah, medications. How short can a respite stay be? Honestly, I think it could be as short as a day or two. Oh, really? Really, okay. depending on the assisted living, what they're willing to do. Now, I would yeah, not I recommend some, that. Some people say, like, you have to be, it has to be seven <laughs> days or it has to be 30 days. I mean, whatever. I would never recommend one or two days. By the yeah. time they get there, they're they're leaving it in. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay. All right. Well, those are all our questions for today. Awesome. Yeah. Thank we you need for a part two. I know, right? I feel like we could have <laughs> gone off on pricing and this and levels and all that, which we will. We, we're going to do a number of these podcasts. So um, I... I'm so appreciative of you sharing your experience, your knowledge, giving us a kind of peek behind the curtain of what happens in an assisted living. You provided us with a lot of good information. So yeah, absolutely. I know it's a very stressful time for families. So yeah, I, I it hope is. That, that this helps. Yeah. Um, like I said, we could sit here and talk all day, <laughs> but I want to respect everyone's time. We'll have Jill hopefully back on again. Um, there's so many different topics that we could talk about. Um, for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our very first podcast and we'll subscribe to our channel. And, um, if you don't take anything else away from this podcast, I want you to remember you are not alone and you are doing a good job. Have a great day. Bye.